Greetings, Star Wars fans, and welcome to Coruscant Radio Underground, presented by thesciencefictionary.com. My name is Andrew Gore, and with me tonight are Marisha. Hello. And Daniel. Hello. So Daniel's it's been away for a while, back. but he's he's back, and uh, so now we can get him back on, on comic books so that we'll have, have more comic book news for everybody. Because does Marisha not know tonight, anything about comic not tonight, though, because no. I have not caught up on them yet. No, we'll so get not there. Not tonight. Not tonight. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. But next, just in general. Next week, next week we'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. So well, what's been going on? Like, uh, Daniel, we've been away. You haven't been on in, in months. What's what's going on? Like, yeah, any shows you've been months. into? or um, Well. Anything you're excited about coming out other than, other than Star Wars? I have been watching... Have not finished it yet, but the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance series. Ooh. Prodigal Son. Prodigal Son on Fox is really good. And actually, Prodigal Son has made me realize why I now hate regular television. Hulu and Netflix has spoiled me because I want to binge watch the hell out of that. Right. I need to know I need to know what's going on with the girl in the box. Watching one episode a week is getting on my nerves. <laughs> uh, Maybe bad news then uh, regarding the Mandalorian. Yep, one week at a time. Uh, yeah, but still, though, that's going to be... I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about that show. I'll just have to deal with it. But no, I'm with you. I've kind of gotten the same way. It's like, oh, I'll watch the show once it's over, and then I can just watch the whole thing. Right. Yeah, you can just binge watch it. Because I don't like, you know, this whole waiting for the next season to come out stuff. Right, that's the way <laughs> I watch The Walking Dead. Is I, I just... I actually enjoy it a lot more that way. When I was trying to watch it mm-hmm. a week at a time, I would kind of forget about it and but i, I just right. got to where i go i go at the end of the season and just watch the whole thing it's mm-hmm. way more enjoyable for me that way yeah right yeah i've gotten used to that too that streaming services have spoiled us all and that is the way of the future you're gonna find i think so we're not gonna have regular what once things like sling and youtube tv and things like that get more of the kinks worked out of just being able to stream all the time you're not gonna have regular network television anymore and I think that binge watching is going to prove to be more, I think that's how more and more people prefer to consume their entertainment. So I expect right. that they're to, that to continue, you know, for creators to continue well, to play into in, that. We're an instant, we're an instant gratification society. Yep. We want it all now. Yeah. The, the, the digital, the digital revolution did that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it did the same, the same thing with cameras and, Everything else, you know, you want to be able to take that picture and look, see what it looks like right now. Yeah, I remember like in the the late 90s taking pictures of, well, actually probably early, early 2000s, taking pictures of my cousin whenever he was little. You know, he was like two or three and taking pictures. He's like, now I want to see it. It was like, well, sorry, bud. You know, it was still a film camera. Like, you can't see it. And he was like, why not? Well, because it had to be developed first. And he just looked at me like I was from Mars. Like, why right. on earth can't exactly. I see this right now? Yeah, Marisha, you got well, anything? No, those are things I've kind of been into lately, so. Okay. Awesome. Not a lot. We've, we've kind of been in a dead space with, with stuff to watch here. True. Um, I've, been, I've been binge watching Downton Abbey again for the third time. <laughs> uh, I've been binge watching the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> yeah, and I have caught up on, I'm almost caught up on rewatching the original series of Star Trek. Oh, uh, that's awesome. How about that new Picard that show? Left, which, of course, is the 12th time I've seen all of them. Right, yeah. So, Yeah, I think we're getting ready to watch those with the kids. Star Trek, the original series, is, and it is a product of its times. There's oh, yeah. 
rewatching it this time made me realize there is some sexist stuff in that show. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, a lot of a lot of episodes, the women do kind of take this role, which mm-hmm. was very nineteen sixties. Yeah, it is interesting. Now, Star Trek still, though, I mean, you can't watch Star Trek and not realize that it was very progressive for its time. Yeah, which is but crazy. You can still see where it mm-hmm. was, where it was held back mm-hmm. just from being a product of the 60s. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just interesting. But, makes for interesting um, conversations, you know, um, it, about yeah. how, you know. Even even as far as as we've come, how far there still still always is to go, you know, in certain areas. Right. Um, but my, yeah, that, my Star Trek conversation is probably better reserved for our science fictionarian yes. show if we ever yes record that. Well, now that you're back, we'll uh, probably get started on that maybe in November. Yeah, I think we may have to break down and okay. actually get CBS All Access because I'm excited about that Picard show. Yeah, the Picard that, show looks really good. It looks amazing. I will admit, like I just said, I'm, I'm rewatching all the original series, uh-huh. and I love all those original characters. And Voyager, and Andrew knows this, Voyager, I'm one of the few people, Voyager, I will admit, was my favorite Star Trek show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love Voyager. But as far as the captains go, Ooh, yeah. Picard's the best captain. Patrick Stewart is just, he's an amazing actor, and yeah. that was a great character. Yeah, I really And I am really excited for that Picard show. Picard was my favorite, was my favorite captain. Yeah, I was I was real skeptical of it, but the more stuff I see that um I guess this past weekend at New York Comic Con they dropped um a new trailer and it just it looked so good. I, it's cuz I kept saying, yeah. you know, I'm not going to watch this. I'm you know, I'm going to have to find some way to watch it down the road, but now I'm going, man, now I got to find some way to <clears throat> to get CBS all, right, all well, access cuz I think one thing that's going to help Picard is that Patrick Stewart is not going to let go of who that character is. Yeah. That is right. as great an actor as he is. And he gave us Professor Xavier. Mm-hmm. He's been a lot of good other films. Captain Picard is his defining role. And yep. he knows that. Mm-hmm. And he has such an affinity for that character that whatever they want to do with that show, he's not going to let that show lose who Picard is. Well, and so he's I have Patrick a lot Stewart. Of hopes for it. You know, so they're not going to, if he says, I'm not doing that, they're not going to be like, oh, yes, you are. And then what are they going to do? Right, exactly. You know, he's and doing yeah, this because he wants to. And you to. know when he read those first scripts, if it wasn't true to the character he created, right? I don't feel like he would have done it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I feel so, the same way about it. I'm trying to think what else has even been going on in, in the... You know, as far as sci-fi and fantasy stuff, we got a lot of really cool stuff coming. coming. But it's, it's just all kind of right there. We're just like looking over the edge of all the things well, coming. Well, you, you mentioned fantasy and asking what I'm into lately. The new Conan the Barbarian comic book series from Marvel Comics. Really? If you were ever, if you were ever a fan of Robert E. Howard's work, if you were ever a fan of the original Conan run by Roy Thomas from Marvel in the '70s, you will love this series. Jason Aaron is establishing himself as one of the best writers in comics right now. And that new series from Conan from Marvel is wonderful. I am really loving it. The the only issue I have with it is there is an overall arc of what Jason Aaron's doing now is the life and death of Conan the Barbarian. And he has this whole thing drug out over tissues about how Conan dies. 
Okay. And but in the meantime, the main the main story of every issue is a different piece of Conan's life that connects to how he dies, and you get like two pages of oh, wow. building up to his death. Huh. And I think a few of us, the readers, are starting to get a little antsy, like he just needs to get to the point about finishing <laughs> the main story of how he dies. <laughs> but I am really loving the series, and it it has a lot of throwbacks to the original Conan stories. That's awesome. Um, we don't, yeah, we don't get to see uh, his battle with the Frost Giants in this series, but there are callbacks to it through the series. Mm -hmm. So if you ever read the original, that's, that is one of the original Robert E. Howard stories. And it was also adapted into the original Marvel series from the seventies. So if you're familiar with it at all, you get a lot of Easter eggs and I'm, I'm really enjoying that series. That's cool. It's always good to see people doing old properties. Well, you know. Yes, it, it has been a very it's been a very faithful adaptation of of what Conan always was. So uh, I'm enjoying I'm enjoying that one a lot. Jumping into Star Wars here, let's. Uh, the first thing on the list tonight is we found out earlier this week that it looks like Dennis Lawson is in fact coming back for the Rise of Skywalker as Wedge Antilles. Um, very excited about that. There were some rumors about that earlier. I'm glad it was finally confirmed. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, there were there were definitely some rumors. I kind of wondered last week before the announcements came out um, when they were showing a lot of the new Black Series figures that were coming out this year. One of them was a Wedge Antilles figure, and I kind of right. started to wonder. And it was a little um, ambiguous, wasn't it? Kind of as how, to how old he was, the character was. Yeah, I mean, I really I think it's a young Wedge character, but I, I still the fact that you're going to drop that character right before. Right. This movie, yeah. because they actually also re-released the uh, Luke Skywalker pilot, X-Wing pilot. Okay. Um, so that's old, you know. So, and a lot, of, right. a lot of people, they actually put those out in the card backs, the, the vintage collection. Yeah. And uh, a, lot oh, of were, a lot of people were excited because the old one back in, in 77 didn't actually look that much like Mark Hamill. Oh, <laughs> but the, the new they, they're so much better at doing that stuff right, now yeah. but the new one um actually looks like luke that's cool I, i'm really excited but i guess the question is is what kind of role are we going to see wedge in do we get to see wedge in an x-wing cockpit or is he piloting I, I or so. is he piloting yeah. that uh or is he captaining that uh carillion corvette that we see in the trailer i mean uh I think, like, sentimentally, everybody wants to see him in an X-Wing, but, like, I think we're getting... I think that's what we're getting. I think on... You think? I think think we're more likely to see him on the bridge of a... Nope. I think we might see him on the bridge of one of these ships initially, and he can't help himself but to go get back in that cockpit. To go... Blow something up. Yeah. Drop, jump in a cockpit of an X-Wing and blow yeah, something I think up. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think we're going to see Wedge and Poe blowing mm-hmm. stuff up. Yeah, and I like that. Actually, now that you're mentioning, I like that idea. I like the idea of a scene where Biggs goes, I'm a fighter pilot at heart. Mm-hmm. He climbs in an You know what I mean? Right. I mean Biggs, uh, Wedge, Wedge. Excuse yeah. me, you mentioned Biggs. No. Yeah, I, I kind of like the idea of Wedge using something similar to that line. You know, I'm a, I'm a fighter pilot. Mm-hmm. Right. And he goes and does what he does. And really, that is Wedge in the extended universe. Mm-hmm. And actually, even in the Aftermath novels, he's still piloting that X-Wing. Yeah. Yeah. Because that is 
And even like Marisha said, just for nostalgia purposes, that's who Wedge is. Mm-hmm. And through all the extended universe novels through the X-Wing series, like I said, even the Aftermath series, that's still who he was at heart. And I think that's what we get to see. He's he's going to be in an X-Wing yeah. at some point in that movie. And he may only be there for a few minutes. Because actually, as popular as a character as that is, every bit of screen time, 98% of his screen time is him in an X-Wing cockpit. Yep. And he's not in any of these movies very long. Right. He actually gets very little screen time to be as popular a character as he became. Mm-hmm. The EU helped helped his popularity as a character. The Rogue Squadron novels definitely did that. Right. And just for the level of nostalgia that you can see JJ tried to give us with Force Awakens. Right. I think that's what he's going for with Wedge. Yeah, I think so too. That's what we're going to get. Well, we're there's going no, to get him in an X-Wing, I have no doubt. I and mean, there's no reason to have him back other than to kind of tie right. things up, you mm-hmm. know, and, mm-hmm. and as a throwback. Well, and because everybody's <laughs> going, where's Wedge? Right. Right. But I do have the impression JJ loves that original trilogy. I, yeah. I, I think these characters mean something to him too. Right. Mm-hmm. And like I said, just the nostalgia level he gave us in Force Awakens, that's why he would bring Wedge back. Mm-hmm. Right. Let's, Absolutely. Let's call back the original trilogy one more time. Let's give you something that feels like that original trilogy. And Wedge in a cock wedge in an X Wing cockpit absolutely does that. Yeah. yeah. I think Lando at the pilot seat yes. of Millennium Falcon does right. that that's exactly what i was thinking that that same sort of uh connection there yeah Orlando's really, gonna play a bigger role he's a more established character he's a more important character to the saga right but it's the same kind of idea behind it yeah i think you're right i hope they get the uh the markings right on his x-wing you know i want to see those two death star kill badges on that x-wing oh yeah there you go absolutely right I, j- I just want to see everybody else, all the other pilots, and all of the kill markings mm-hmm. on Wedge's X-Wing. It's because just in case y'all forgot, I am a badass. I <laughs> right. blow up two Death Stars. Exactly. Right. Nobody else has done that, by the way. Just me. Just me. <laughs> he was one of the people who showed up at Celebration Orlando that everybody was really excited. Wasn't that the first time he's he's done mm-hmm. Celebration since then or anything Star Wars? Yes. Really for- yeah. Well, he had just like he wanted nothing to do with Star Wars for a long, long time. Yeah. When he was there at Celebration, a lot of people started talking about, oh, he was there. He's totally going to be in the new movie. You know what I mean? So that conversation goes all the way back there. Of course, that they had that same conversation about Hayden Christensen. So I guess we'll see how that pans out too. One of the things I asked on our Twitter account last night, what everybody, I kind of know because you, you can only list four, four things in a poll on Twitter. So I narrowed down my favorite space battles to my top four. And asked everybody what their favorite space battle was. And I, of course, gave them, you know, told them if it was a different one to list it in the comments. But actually, nobody listed anything separately in the comments. We did get 100 votes on the poll. And uh, so I'll give you the results of the poll in a minute. But first, I wanted to ask you all what your favorite space battle in Star Wars is. Favorite space battle. Hmm. Well, first, first, can I ask you what were your choices on the poll? Okay, in the poll, I didn't I see listed... the poll. I've been off Twitter for a while. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm coming back. <laughs> it's been off for a while. Right. So in the in the poll, I listed the first Death Star, the Battle of Endor, mm-hmm. the Battle of Scarif, 
and the Battle of Coruscant. Okay, those are yeah, those would be my four my four choices as well. I'll let Marcia go first though. She started talking first. Go ahead. Mm. I'm gonna say first first Death Star. Okay, I think it's just it's so. I mean, that was the like the beginning of the Star Wars bat. You know, space battles. That was like you know, it, mm-hmm. it, there's just something about being the benchmark. Yeah, there was a lot of cool stuff in that one. I mean, yeah. it's the. Uh, first, it was our our first Star Wars space battle. It's cool. I mean, the the trench run is iconic. Yes, it's the only time we get to see Vader in his Tie Fighter. Right. So, and and it's um, it's that moment where we see the hero kind of complete his journey. Right. Um, and embrace embrace the Force. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a really iconic battle, which is of course why I included it. Yeah. How about you, Daniel? I'm gonna let Andrew go next. Let Andrew go next. <laughs> okay. Um, for me, it comes down really close to two. There, there's two there that I, I really love. Um, okay, I think we're on the same page. Probably. It, for me, it really comes down between Endor and Scarif. So I don't know if that leaves us on the same page or not. It's uh, so far. Okay. Um, I'm actually choosing the Battle of Endor because it's uh, because it's the one that I remember I love the Battle of Scarif. It's, it's beautiful. I mean, everything about that battle is amazing. But the Return of the Jedi, that battle in, of Endor, it's coupled with so many other amazing scenes that really elevate it. And I know that that's not the the, the space battle itself, but, I mean, you're coupled with that final battle between... Yeah. When you get to see it from different perspectives. Yeah. When we see Admiral Akbar commanding Home mm-hmm. One for the first time. It's a trap. <laughs> yeah. Um, so many ships. What, but what made me fall in love with that shot, with that scene as a kid, is not even the whole battle itself. It's when the fleet gets the signal and all jumps into hyperspace to go to the Death Star, mm-hmm. and then the shot of them all coming out mm-hmm. of hyperspace and all the star destroyers in the background. Mm-hmm. And for me, the two battles are pretty even as far as what they did on screen. That whole thing, the right. the, the the flight through the through the Death Star. I mean, the fact that they yeah. even thought about doing that and then tried to figure out how to pull that off of, of having these ships flying through the infrastructure of the Death Star. Yeah. That had to mm-hmm. been a nightmare to shoot with the technology at the time. We are on the same page. Okay. It, it, it does come down between Battle of Scarif and Battle of Endor. Battle of Scarif, as y'all know, Rogue One is my favorite of the Disney movies. Right. Right. Same here. And that one is so well done, and you get all the inter-atmosphere combat also. Mm-hmm. And I do really love that movie, and I love that scene. And there are some nostalgic elements to it. It's not Admiral Akbar, but it, it is a Calamarian commanding that fleet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, they did a great job with Rattus. Still the, yeah, it is, it is still the, the, the Mon Calamari cruisers. Right. Mm-hmm. A lot of it feels the same. But the correct answer is Marisha. <laughs> the correct answer is Battle of Endor, and it's not even close. That is our absolutely best space battle. Marisha didn't make a good point. You see it from different perspectives. And yeah. you see the Battle of Scare from different perspectives as well. But the Battle of Endor, when you go back and forth, the back and forth between Lando and Amar Akbar and Wedge and the flying through the infrastructure of that mm-hmm. Death Star, like Andrew pointed out. From a technical standpoint of just a filmmaking, it is it's a work of art for the time. It absolutely holds. You put that space battle against anything we've seen since, 
it still holds up. And that is, that's, that's my number one. And like I said, in my mind, it's not even close. Return of the Jedi holds a place in my heart. Other movies don't. It was right. like Andrew says, the first movie you remember is in theaters. It's also the first Star Wars movie I remember watching. Really? Um, yeah, same. Yeah, and it absolutely, it hooked me into the whole universe. And mm-hmm. it is that final sequence. Because while that's going on, and we're talking strictly about the space battle itself, but while that space battle's going on, mm-hmm. simultaneously you have the battle on the ground with mm-hmm. Han and Leia trying to take out the shield generator, and you have all the stuff going on in the throne room. Yeah. And the last 30 minutes of that movie just absolutely hooks you into what the rest of that saga is about. Right. That space battle itself is just full of excitement and all these dogfight, these World War One and World War Two mm-hmm. dogfight elements that George Lucas and all the special effects people in that film will tell you they studied intensely to get the space battles in the Star Wars movies right. Yeah, that's the best example of that we've gotten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we also got a lot bigger variety of ships in that battle. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, because um, we brought the A wings and B wings really into play in that one. It is the best space battle, and the Battle of Scarif is the best one we've gotten since. Yeah. Um, None of the other Disney movies have really tried to do much with these elaborate space battles. The Last Jedi did, Mm -hmm. and that one's not bad. It's not bad, but it's really short. I still have a problem. Yeah, but I still have a problem with the entire physics of how the bombers work. And the bombers were cool, but none of that shit makes sense. Let's just be honest. It doesn't. I mean, I don't. I don't really necessarily have a problem with the bombers. My my biggest gripe about it was is it is a space battle and and it looks cool, but it's um it's so brief. Yeah. Like we don't get this. It's not a. It's not the big full scale space battle that we've seen at other at, at other times. The, the best the best part of that scene is Poe going back and forth with Hux with the stupid <laughs> wordplay shit. Right. The actual battle itself isn't all that until. You get to the scenes Gen- with Gen- Kylo, and we don't really get good space battle action until Kylo gets in his TIE fighter and, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Goes all rage monster that one, on It didn't make your list, and deservedly so. But as far as the Disney regime of Star Wars goes, that's the only time they've even tried to give us a decent space battle. It is. Other than Scarif. Other than the Battle of Scarif. Yeah. So those are the only two that really measure up to me. And, and Return of the Jedi is my number one. Okay. So the the 100 people that voted on our poll, um, they had the same top two as me and you, but they flipped them with uh, okay. the Battle and of And I'm not going to argue with that. I love the Battle of Scarif. Like I said, Rogue One's my favorite of the Disney movies. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah. 39% chose the Battle of Scarif, and 24% chose the Battle of Endor. Okay. Yeah, like I said, Battle of Endor, and it's not even close in my mind, but anybody who wants to pick the Battle of Scarif, I'm not really going to argue with. Yeah. And then... uh, That sounds contradictory, but, you know... Right. And then we had the Battle of Coruscant in third with 21%, and the first Death Star at 17%. So I did not have a popular answer. No, but... They're all four. That being They're said, all four though, so good. Space battles. Yeah, other than other than the trench run, the Battle of Yavin, the first Death Star is kind of boring compared to the others. Compared ones. to the others, yeah. And that, um, as far as just a spectacle, that Battle of Coruscant scene at the beginning of mm-hmm. uh, the, that opening scene from Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. 
I mean, there's a lot it's of stuff pretty impressive. Yeah, it really is. No, but I'm with you, though. That is pretty cool. I, I do enjoy it. But again, that's not something I sit around necessarily and think about as cool as space battle. I mean, I guess yeah. I worry about other things. <laughs> that's <laughs> something me and Andrew have been wondering about since we're 13 years old. Right. So, <laughs> I don't know what your All right, Ro, we got a little request from our friends over at Coruscant Radio Underground, Andrew and Marisha. They wanted to ask the Scarif podcast what our favorite space battle is in Star Wars. And I got to tell you, that is a difficult question to answer because there's so many fantastic choices. You have the prequels with the, the amazing, um, amazing, amazing opening in Revenge of the Sith. And then you have the original trilogy, of course, our classic battles like the Battle of the Death Star in the Trench Run or Return of the Jedi with that final battle over Endor. And of course, we have our, our great battles over Starkiller Base, which I thought was really, really cool. And the very namesake of our podcast, the Scarif podcast, uh, the battle over Scarif is probably really far up there on that list, Ro. So how do you choose? Which one is your favorite? That is a very difficult question. Uh, I would agree. I love all of those battles that you mentioned. And uh, I do want to say that uh, one of my favorite battles is the battle of uh, Scarif when the rebel fleet gets to the uh the that stargate thing over scarif uh it is just a fantastic sequence stick close red five where are you going come on over me i'm trying to lose them that's fine i need help for me exciting too because behind the scenes I know Gareth Edwards was able to take a lot of the original footage and kind of change the background and uh, brought in the old actors to, to redo some voiceover work to be able to match, uh, you know, the uh, the radio chatter to match with the Scarif and, and the plot line that was going on. So uh, it's, it's a favorite of mine for many reasons. And, uh, you know, from a technology aspect, they did a lot of really, really cool things. TK226, I know why you're not at your post. You're uh, you're enjoying the sun. He's drinking margaritas on the beach. Call up a hammerhead Corvette. I have an idea. Corvette 5, locked on target. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, for me personally, the original trilogy um, purist inside my heart says, Return of the Jedi, hands down, there is no competition. All wings report in. Red leader standing by. Gray leader standing by. Green leader standing by. Luck S files and attack positions. May the force be with us. There's increasing increasing competition with that with these new movies that are coming out. Uh, I, I would definitely give Scarif um, second tier to that. I love the way Gareth Edwards was able to bring the modern day technology and CGI and and uh, the way of making films today, but still make every single one of those ships in that movie look like a model. Uh, those star, those star destroyers looked like they were tangible models. Uh, same thing goes for the X wings and the Y wings. Uh, we got to see ships in in all their glory uh, during this the Battle of Scarif. I want to give an honorable mention to the battle over Starkiller Base. There's one particular shot 
that always struck me as a, one of the coolest things I've ever seen in Star Wars is it was almost like J.J. Abrams slapped a GoPro on the side of an X-Wing while it was doing its bombing run. And I just thought that was the coolest looking scene uh, in, in when I was watching The Force Awakens. So I, I got to give props to that. I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I do remember seeing that. And I'm like, oh, my God, that, that is a that, that does look like a GoPro on there. You know, another honorable mention, and it's not a battle, but uh, you're talking about bringing, uh, you know, modern-day technology to old-fashioned CGI and, and, and match framing in special effects. There's a shot when the V-Wing lands and uh, some of our heroes in Rogue One get out of the ship and, and, and kind of jump out of the ship onto the beach, and then the uh, V-Wing takes off again. It's seamless. It's seamless. You, you can see the actors in the box and obviously, you know, the V-Wing wasn't really there, but it was added after the fact. But uh, uh, kudos to the VFX team at ILM uh, for marrying the, uh, the the special effects uh, with that scene. It's just, again, it's, it's a subtle thing. And that is the uh, to the credit of the artists behind the scenes that uh, tried to create these incredible shots uh, in such a seamless manner. So kudos to you guys. There you have it, Andrew Marisha, Corsant Radio Underground. That is, uh, those are samples of some of our favorite space battles. And uh, I hope you guys uh, enjoyed that and uh, can't wait to hear what everybody else is saying about their space battles. That uh, is our space battles, and you are listening to the Corsant Radio Underground. Let's get back to the discussion. So the next thing we had, uh, Daniel, you may not be able, I don't know how much you'll be able to, how much of an opinion you'll have on this, but we drove out of town to a Target last Friday for Triple Force Friday. And Deanna's birthday. For Deanna's birthday. And it was a total flop. We mm -hmm. th They ran a, the Disney, um, huge the Star campaign. Wars, the Star Wars show did a live stream on the Friday night prior to Force Friday. Mm -hmm. Showed all the new products, showed all this yep. stuff. It's all going to be available next Friday. So we went right. We went out of town. We got there. They had a little bit, but it was probably maybe a quarter of the of the overall things that were, mm -hmm. that were shown. They had like, you know how they have those sort of end cap things at Target? There was mm -hmm. maybe a quarter of the things that we were told would be out there available. Mm -hmm. We asked Target employees who basically said, well, we got stuff. We just hadn't put it out yet. Just haven't put it out yet. It'll be out tomorrow. And another <laughs> another Target employee that said, well, you know, you can just buy this stuff online, right? Like, dude, right? I just spent an hour and a half experience. in the car with four children under the age of 10 to come force Friday shopping for you to tell me. You know, you can just buy it online. It'll be out tomorrow. Thanks for that. But, you know, the Force Friday stuff used to be a really big deal. Mm -hmm. Like, it was a huge, huge event. Last time, last um, movie, well, the last time we went Force Friday shopping was... The Force was Awakens. The Force Awakens. And, and it was big then. It was big. Now, that being said, we did go to Toys R Us. Well, yeah, but you can't go to Toys R Us anymore. You can't. But even if Toys R Us were still in play here, it's... There was something where 
where Star Wars has still envisioned doing this thing, but didn't really push the importance of putting these things on the shelves in a timely manner to the to the Correct. retailers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not even sure. Like some of the things that they were saying, this will be available on Friday, and then they're turned around. And it's like I saw things. Some of the things that I wanted, um, they've got a an ATST, well, like a modified ATST mm-hmm. from the Mandalorian. Uh huh. Uh, part of the vintage collection. Mm-hmm. Um, I want that. I, I'm, I wanted to get it. I never so didn't see it in the store. Well, Best Buy started pre-orders for it today. Pre-order, so it's not even actually out yet. Apparently so. So, oh. and apparently there's a number of the things that just aren't aren't out yet. Um, we heard some story that the only stores that had everything. Apparently, some of the Target stores had like pop-up Disney stores inside of them, and those are the right. only stores, by my understanding, the only stores that had everything. But they didn't advertise it that way, and no. I, I don't know what's they going were like, on there. But all retailers will have, you know, go, hit this, you know, the shelves on Force Friday, and apparently, this was not just a thing in Monroe, Louisiana. No, it was apparently, apparently this was nationwide. like a national yeah. issue. You know, I saw people in Chicago complaining about, you know, like yeah, the nerds hit the nerds hit the shelves at you know nine o'clock this morning, and they didn't have anything out. And then, of course, all the employees were all like, "Well, why are you indignant about this?" Like, well, you know. Because <laughs> this used to be an event, and I don't know if online re- I don't know if like the own, whole online retail yeah, thing is. They're missing out on money. Like they don't realize how big an event it is mm-hmm. to certain fans. Right. And right. if they're not going to do their part and have the merchandise available, they're missing out on income. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've got some fans that are going to go in there and they're going to buy at least one of everything. I mean, right. that ain't me. Right I ain't got that kind of money, me. but there are some that are going to do that. I mean, if you're right about me. In my opinion. I do buy some of the toys. I, you know, I, I do have certain things, but I'm not as big into that as y'all are. But I didn't realize that I knew about it, but I didn't go out for it. Like, I wasn't looking for the event. I didn't realize it was as big a problem as it was, so yeah. you just told me about it. So it's really this thing where there's already been a problem where Star Wars toy sales have not been what they want them to be. And then, you, and then you botch this. It's like you're not But helping. is it really a Disney problem or is it a retailer problem? Because we can't. Right. And that's, we can sit here and say, did Disney really emphasize how important this was to the retailers? We don't know that they didn't. They may have done all they could do. Right. It's on the retailers to make no, sure the merchandise well, is on the shelf. And at this point, I blame it completely on the retailers. But the thing is, is Disney has to figure out how to fix it before the next time. Yeah. Because while the retailers may have screwed up, Disney has to fix it. It's hard. I mean, as hard as they pushed it. Right. And I do like those Black Series figures, by the mm-hmm. way. Oh, yeah. I did. I did find there was one piece that I went because I'm, I'm one that just like gets a thing here and there. I'm not like a big collector. I just don't have the space for it. But they had the, the Mandalorian, the carbonized Black Series Mandalorian which was the one thing that I really wanted to track down, and I did find that. Okay. They had two of them on the shelf, and he bought one of them. Yeah, that was the other crazy thing. Even the items they had out, they only had like maybe three or four of them on the shelf. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only thing that they had, like I think they yeah. only had two of those second sisters that Iana bought. Mm-hmm. I, I do still kick myself for finding the Luke Skywalker and Rey figures from The Last Jedi together in a set at Target. Oh, wow. And not buying them when I saw them. Should have done that. Yeah. Those were Black Series figures also. I swear it was a set. I think it was a set. I'm 90% sure. 
Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, there's there's a number of, of larger set things from the Black Series. Mm-hmm. I want to... But I, I'm also more into the ships. Like, I do collect the Hot Wheels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got a bunch oh, of those. I, I love those things. The, if it's if it's one of the ships, I, I get it. But I always want I want them all to be the same scale. So if right. you sell me an X-Wing that's twice the scale of the TIE Fighter I got, I'm not buying it. I want them all the same oh, right. scale. Yeah. Like, right. I'm, I'm with you. He's like, I, I argued with myself the other day because I was in a comic book store in Galveston, and I bought a set of DC superheroes glasses. And it's Superman, Wonder Woman, The Flash, Green Lantern, and Batman in a set. It's five glasses. They're still in the box. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm arguing with myself. As a collector, do I leave them in the box? As someone who wants to display them, should I take them out? Right. As a beer drinker, do I use them? <laughs> so I'm like, oh my God, what do I do? <laughs> I, I argue with myself about stupid crap that I collect. Yeah, we've anyway. kind of, we've done the sort of the same thing with the the pop. You know, about half of them are still in the boxes. That every once in a while we're like, oh, these need to, and then, and then, you know, we kind of keep changing our minds. So about half of them are in the boxes over here and about and half the, of them are just standing on the shelf. Yeah, the, the, And the beer drinker thing comes in because they are Pilsner glasses. Okay. So I'm going to drink me a Pilsner. I've got these, these DC superheroes Pilsner glasses. So as a beer drinker, do I use them? Do I leave them in the box as a collector? Do I take them out so I can display them? What do I do? It's, it's, you know, it's rough. The kind of things that lay on my mind. I know. These are, so one of the things I kind of wanted to talk about tonight, since I've got um, an extra voice here tonight, is with all the new news starting to come out, you know, we, we, the Mandalorian, I mean, we're we're a month away. I mean, yep. it's... We're close. It's real close. And then we've got, we know they're making a second season already. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Cassie and Andor series, they announced the Obi-Wan series. Supposedly there's a couple others in the works. Mm-hmm. If you could pick a series to be made, either around a character or something else, like what would you really like to see done in a Star Wars series? Hmm. Other than what they've already announced, I don't really know. I mean, I think we've kind of touched on this subject before. Uh, A close subject we had was Mm -hmm. which one of your EU characters did you like to see brought into continuity? So I don't know. I mean, there have been rumors about bringing Darth Bane or Malak into continuity. So I still say something set in not even really old Republic, like even pre that. Mm -hmm. Let's let's get back into the early history of the Jedi and Sith. Yeah. And and bring some of those characters into it. I'm really interested in kind of the lore and the mythology and like the I mean, I'm a history person in real life. I'm really interested in... Uh, well, I was a history major, so yeah. Yeah, roots and beginnings, you know, like like uh, Gollum and, and Lord right. of the Rings. So I'm with you. I, you know, um, they talked in Rebels about a that one Mandalorian Jedi. I mean, I, I'd be down for seeing, mm-hmm. you know, I'd be down for that. The Jedi back before there's a council, before there's... In order, even whenever they're just sort of, you know, figuring it out. I mean, I would totally be down for some of that. As far as a single character, I mean, are we, are you, are you asking Andrew more specifically a character we've seen on film well, already? Not even necessarily, maybe, of, maybe or? not even necessarily a character, but maybe just a type of show. Like mine, I don't have a specific character in mind, 
but I really want to see something. I want a series that follows a fighter squadron, something very yeah, well, space above and I beyond. I know you, your favorite EU series is Rogue Squadron, so I know what you want. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily want, I, I would love to have Rogue Squadron, uh, but just something in that vein. I don't even care if it's set in that area. I really thought that Star Wars Resistance was mm-hmm. going to be something a little bit more something like uh, like, yeah. like that. Even though it was animated, I thought it was going to be something a little more like that. And it really turned out it hasn't been. No. So have far. you watched that at all, Daniel? I have. Yeah, I, I watched. Uh, I watched a few episodes of the first season. Yeah. But uh, I haven't really gotten into it. We've talked about that a little bit. I know y'all are more into it. Uh, your kids are more into that more into that stuff than mine are. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but I still older. only have a five and a two year old, so they're a little bit young to be into anything Star Wars at the moment. Yeah. Right. And then of course my two older ones. You're going to get Madison interested in anything Star Wars. She's into <laughs> basketball and boys. Uh, so, but y'all know David's a huge Star Wars fan, but he's yeah. almost 20 years old now. So I don't have kids the right age for that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Well, they're a little too, um, they're a little too young to have been, you know, like watching Clone Wars when it was on TV. And they're a little too old to have done Rebels and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So Yeah, they kind of got caught in the gap. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, like I said, Jesse's only five, so right. Something like resistance it really isn't really going to be her thing yet either. Yeah, uh, it's good. So that- not as not as not following that as much as y'all are. I did I did see a few episodes of the first season. Uh, there's and, only been one season, right? I enjoyed it. Yeah, but just haven't watched as much as y'all have. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I mean that that's mine. So like, not even necessarily looking for a certain character. I want to follow a fighter squadron through a battle campaign and, you know, I, I, you know, without anything on screen in star Wars to really compare it to something, I don't know how many people out there remember space above and beyond, but kind of something in that, in that vein. And I will tell you, uh, anyone who did not read the Poe Dameron comic book series, that is a lot of what that series was about. was a lot of the camaraderie, between the different members of the squadron and actual space battles, that Poe Dameron series was good for that, if you're into that sort of thing. What do y'all think the odds are of a Poe Dameron series eventually? Zero. You think? I don't I don't think Oscar Isaac would do it. I yeah. really don't. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if Oscar Isaac would come on for something like that or not. Yeah, he's, he's pretty no. big, pretty busy right now, I think. Maybe in a... 15 years when his career kind well, of... Well, but he's not a... I mean, he's, he's never... Deal. Even though it's changed, like a lot of movie actors don't want to do anything that's TV. That's true. And, and a lot of them, like you said, even though it has changed, it has started to change. I just... I don't know. I just don't see him doing it. But of course, there was a time I didn't see Ewan McGregor doing it either. But I will say this. McGregor did Obi-Wan in film first. Yeah. So it is a character he wants to reprise. So he's willing right. to do it. The same thing might be able to be said for Oscar Isaac, though. We don't know where where his thoughts are going to lie yeah. five or six years from now. Well, and you know, uh, it's just hard for me to see. And I'm also mm-hmm. not really seeing that character as somebody that's translatable to that. I mean, like, mm-hmm. I'm not sure anybody actually wants to see that. If that makes any sense. Yeah. yeah. Obi Wan Kenobi is iconic. Yes. I am so excited. I am so excited about the Obi-Wan series. And then you get you get Diego Luna wanting to do Cassie and Andor again. Yeah. Yeah. But 
that character, he did such a, they did such a good job with that character in Rogue One yep. that you can tell there's way more backstory there yep. that is interesting. Mm-hmm. We don't have any of that with Poe at this point. It's kind of interesting, you know, to just see the actors that, you know, are like, yeah, I'm in Star Wars. It's, it's my job. Star Wars is great. And then the ones who are like, you know, just off the rails, ridiculously excited to be in a Star Wars movie. Right. Well, for, for Diego Luna, it meant so much. Like for, for him, it was really about that whole thing of he got to be the one to bring a character that looks like him yeah. to life in, in the mm-hmm. Star Wars universe. That meant a lot to him. Yeah, kind of um, like Kelly yeah. Marie Tran. Right. So now, as far as bringing a Fighter Squadron series to life, I'm about halfway through Alphabet Squadron. I finally got a chance to start reading it. Mm-hmm. And so that, mm-hmm. at least where I'm at in it right now, I look at look at that and go, well, this is a realistic possibility to take this and turn it into the show that I want. Yeah. So there right. are there is something existing in the new canon that could become that. We'll see. But uh, Marisha, did you have anything in particular that, that you would love to see made a specific type of series? I mean, do you want Downton Abbey in space or Downton Abbey in space? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> a well, period we space drama. watching it again. I am. I, Hey, period drama is kind of my jam. It has been. I mean, I, if I had a dollar for every time I've seen the uh, Pride and Prejudice miniseries, I'd, you know, I'd have some money. Um, no, I, I, I'm with Daniel. I would, I'd like to see something, something old, something beginning, something, you know, primitive for lack of a better word, you know, kind of see the birth of the Jedi of the Sith of kind of the awakening, you know, even maybe some pre spacefaring. I don't know if you're going to go get there because I think you'd have to go so far back that, uh, because the, the, the history in Star Wars is established as so old. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Um, but space travel is is definitely not new. The closest we get to talking about pre-space fairing is um, talking about pre-hyperspace. Okay. Even that is is talked about almost like talking about prehistoric man. Okay. So I don't think that you're necessarily going to get that. But yeah, I mean, and I think that whatever is in the works, we know something's in the works for Old Republic era. And I think that that's going to blow the doors open for stuff for exploring that era and before and i think that i think that once nine comes out i think the i think the doors just open wide after episode nine's out anyway i think they're holding back on a lot of stuff yeah until nine comes out yeah i think so actually i'm just thinking while we're talking about stuff we would like to see the rumors popped up again about a mara jade series yeah um I don't know if y'all have talked about that and haven't been on in a long time. We, ha- we haven't. But it struck my interest. and you, But you and I personally talked about that a little bit, about how different that character would need to be at this point. Right. And is that still something you'd want to see with as different as we think that character might be or how different you think she would need to be to introduce her into the new canon? I don't know. I mean, there's still obviously a time frame where you could introduce her. Obviously, her backstory is going to be pretty different at this point. And if they're going to bring her into play, I still want her to play an important role in in Luke's progress and development. Like, I, I don't necessarily know that I want that character apart from Luke completely. And I don't either. I think that character needs to be somewhere in Luke's past. And we've had these discussions, and I'm still on board with the fact that Sebastian Stan 
can go back and play a younger loop and yeah. take over from Mark Hamill and fill in that gap. So that would be really interesting to see too, if we kind of get to see, because the only thing so far we've had in the new canon filling in the gap between episode six and episode eight with Luke is the Legends of Luke Skywalker. Yeah, they which I have. Love, by the way, as a book, but we we still haven't really seen any of that. Well, actually, we still haven't seen any of that period on screen. Right. Um, so if we can introduce Mara in that way and stuff her connected to Luke, I don't necessarily need the connection to the Emperor to make that work. Right. As long as the relationship between she and Luke works, I'd be on board with that. I'd like to see that character. And of course, I would love to see Luke's life between six and eight. Mm-hmm. So I think that's an interesting idea. Yeah. And well, Sebastian Stan, we know, would be more than willing and receptive to do a series. Yeah. So I, I really think. think that I, I can't imagine that he wouldn't. Uh, I'm actually one of the one of the Marvel series I'm most excited about right now is the Winter Soldier and Falcon series, um, and that's one of the ones that I see that could run multiple seasons. A lot of them are going to kind of be one-offs, I think. But mm-hmm. I think you could do multiple seasons with those two. Um, so, I do too. Um, I'm curious to see. I'm, I'm excited to see where that one goes. So, yeah, I don't think Sebastian Stan would have any issue at all with coming onto a project like that. And he's he's expressed an openness to mm-hmm. playing Luke Skywalker. Yeah, he seemed right. damn enthusiastic about all, it. All three of us agree that's a good choice for that role. I would love to see him do that. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you're, you're right, though. I mean, we've gotten stories of about Leia and Han and Chewie in but you know in that gap but the the character that's missing we've mm-hmm. even filled in kind of some of the history of the you know at least the two years after or 18 months after leading up to the battle of jakku mm-hmm. and the formation of the resistance and like they've intentionally steered away from doing anything with, with luke, luke skywalker yeah but does that make you think that maybe they have something planned mm-hmm. yeah. or does uh-huh. that make you think that they just want to leave a character like luke mysterious no, they're going to do something with it. I, I think that they're leaving a gap there on purpose. Otherwise, I think they would have given us a book. The only Luke Skywalker things they've done during that period have been very unequivocally, you know, open to interpretation. Yeah, the Legends of Luke Skywalker is like, and this, this is... Which, by the way, I do, I love that book. Yeah, it's you great. you can take some of the clues from some of those stories and tell which ones mm-hmm. uh-huh. really should be considered canon. Right. Because some of those stories call back to each other. Right. So you connect them, well, wait a minute, this well, they, person on this planet calls back to something that happened six years earlier on another planet. Right. Those two are probably, they want them to be canon. Those two probably are going to be in the true stories of Luke. Yeah. So well, you can kind of connect them and you can figure out what you should consider canon and not. Right. Right. And I really enjoyed that book. I also don't know if any other artifacts show up in the last Jedi from, from that book, but that spear, though the fishing mm-hmm. spear is an artifact that shows up from that book. I don't Correct. remember that. And that's one of the stories I'm talking about because uh-huh. there is, you get the story about how he got that spear. And then later in the book, there's a story where the narrator of that story calls back to the, to the, to the one where he got the spear. Mm-hmm. So you're like, okay, well, wait a minute. This person was actually there. Right. These tie together. And you can tell he really was, he really did do that. But again, we have to, we have too many gaps about, about Luke's life. Right. And for, I, 
25-year span that, right. that you can still fill well, in. Well, kind of as we get down towards the end here, we had a couple of little things I just kind of wanted to mention. One, that uh, Joel Egerton is apparently going to be back as Owen Lars in the Obi-Wan series. Yeah, that's awesome. So it's, it's cool to see yeah. people come back in. But I guess my question is, if we're going to see Owen, do we get to see a uh, young Luke Skywalker? Oh, I think so. I mean, if well, we do, obviously, I, really I think know. it'll be just in passing. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. there are there are two two possibilities to this. We either get to see Obi Wan and Owen by themselves mm-hmm. having a conversation about right. Luke, because right. Obi Wan's going to keep checking up on him, and, and Owen's nowhere in the scene. Yeah. yeah. That's an absolute possibility. Yeah. Um. So I do think. The other possibility being, same kind of thing, Obi-Wan's just checking up on Luke and he's talking to Owen and maybe we see Luke in the background. Mm-hmm. Do I think we get to see a young Luke as a real character? Absolutely not. Um, I don't think that's something this series wants to do. I think it'll just be an Easter egg if we get it at all. Mm-hmm. I think the major possibility is just Luke and Owen having a conversation about Luke at some point in this in this series probably a stay away from and, my nephew conversation yeah <laughs> yeah i do think i do think owen is a speaking role and i think there's a conversation in there mm-hmm. but i don't think we see luke at all i think that i i think this is going to be more of a cameo kind of thing yeah and and i don't really i'm holding out no hopes for seeing any kind of glimpse of luke i think obviously he gets mentioned like we have to touch on the fact that mm-hmm. obi-wan's on tatooine to look after luke Right. From a distance, right? Because Luke, Luke did know old Ben Kenobi, right? right? Like he knew who he was. He recognized him when he saw him, right? He hadn't met him. I do think at some point in his life he hadn't met him. Didn't really know who he was though, right? And I think more, the greater possibility, especially the series, is just the fact that for the most part, Obi Wan kept tabs of Luke through Owen, right? Just through having these conversations and meeting with every now and then. I think that's all we get to see. Mm-hmm. It's just a conversation with the two of them, and I think it's short. I think Owen's probably in there for one episode, and it's a quick conversation, and that's it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I pretty much agree with that. I will say, though, I think it illustrates how much people who were involved with Star Wars really do keep a connection with it for an actor like Joel Edgerton and what mm-hmm. he has become now since he made those prequel series to still want to come back and do that even if it's, even if it's for a five or ten minute scene right mm-hmm. um i think it's encouraging for what star wars means to the people who are involved in it yeah and it's because it hasn't been a very large part of edgerton's career when you look at what he's done since but it's still important enough that he's willing to come back right. and film something short for this yeah so i'm encouraged by it and i look forward to seeing it but i don't think it's really going to i don't think it gives us any hope to seeing a young luke i don't think we get to see that but we do get to hear luke mentioned and the two of them have a conversation about him and maybe you know like on on rebels whenever we we go to tatooine and rebels you know you kind of see like a silhouette running you hear luke and you see kind of a silhouette running across the sand um, right. I think that's pretty likely, but yeah, probably not a whole lot of actual interaction. I, I think we will at least yeah, see I don't him. Think much 
you know, see the head pop in, you know, see the blonde head, you know, you know, yeah, Luke, don't, don't you have work I, to do? Honestly, Marisha, I don't even think we get that. Really? I think we just, I, I don't, I, but I, obviously we're going to get to see Obi-Wan and Owen have a conversation about Luke mm-hmm. and what Obi-Wan expects from Luke and Owen and Obi-Wan's conflicting Visions. points of view uh-huh. on what, yeah, on what Luke's life needs to be like and right. what they think is best for him. Right. I think we have that kind of conversation. Yeah. And I think that's as far as it goes. Well, uh, one of the things we talked about recently was the new, uh, we, we both finished, just finished uh, Thrawn Treason, the uh, most recent, uh, the, in the final, the final chapter of the, the new Thrawn trilogy from Timothy Zahn. Um, we talked about it last week that, you know, we took, we just, uh, we had a, went to a panel with Timothy Zahn recently where he talked about all the things that he wants to do and the ideas that he's pitching, but basically that he's kind of stuck as far as going forward with Thrawn until, uh, Dave Filoni decides where he wants to go. Right. Uh, with, after Rebels. Right. So, um, but he, he kind of pitched some other ideas. He created some fantastic new characters in this uh, treason book. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I guess we saw some of them before that, but he really fleshed those characters out in treason. Mm-hmm. And, <clears throat> Daniel, you got, did you read the clip? I think I actually sent you the clip the other night when it first came out. The, the little, tweet. The little tweet. Yes. So we yeah. got a little bit. Okay, so we got a little clip there the other night from Timothy Zahn that uh, they actually had. Is this the, um, is Mark Thompson the, the narrator? He's the one that's been narrating the audio books. I think he narrated the original audiobooks back in the day. Okay. And he has also done, the, he's done a lot of Star Wars narration. Okay. So, it, you know, it reads, For thousands of years, it has been an island of calm within the chaos. It is a center of power, a model of stability, and a beacon of integrity. The nine ruling families guard it from within. The expansionary defense fleet guards it from without. Its neighbors are left in peace. Its enemies are left in ruin. It is light and culture and glory. It is my home, the only one I've ever known, the Chiss Ascendancy. I don't think I've been as ex- this as excited about a Star Wars book in like maybe 20 years. Yeah. Hmm. Like, I mean, I've been excited about some of these books that have come out, but knowing what Zahn writes and, and, and really doing this and taking it totally out and doing something completely new, even though it's a character we know, mm-hmm. we're taking him taking him out of the element that we know him in. Right. And going right. and doing something completely brand new in the Star Wars universe, and I'm really excited about that. The main thing I'm excited about is um, I... Just I kind of get the impression that there have been a lot of uh, what's the word I'm looking for sanctions for lack of a better word on the things that Del Rey and Lucasfilm will let their writers write, mm-hmm. um, and so I kind of get the feeling like with the the Thrawn trilogy that that you know he's like yeah back in the day you know I kind of write a one I what I want. And now I write what Lucasfilm tells me to write. Basically, you know, I mean, that's kind of not in so many words, but more or less. Right. He, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot, there are of, a lot do's of rules and don'ts as far as what he can and can't do. Um, but if he's doing the Chiss ascendancy, this isn't something that is going to really affect the story going forward. Right. And he's, he's such- not hemmed in a lot. So he should be able to really 
um, have a lot more creative control, which, I mean, for a writer is just better. Well, and for a writer like Timothy Zahn and knowing what he's capable of, mm-hmm. him going and be doing this where I think that they can turn him loose and take the handcuffs off and let him write the story he wants to write, then I'm, I'm really excited to see what comes out of this. Yeah, me too. Right. So that's kind of what I was going to ask y'all. I mean, we're 100% sure. It certainly sounds like from that synopsis or from that little snippet and hearing Marisha talk, this is more of a prequel. It is. This is, um, before, this is before Thrawn left the Chisicensi and came to the Empire. Yes. So... I would kind of be something like that too. We get to see more of what the Chiss are really about mm-hmm. and more of Thrawn's early life. And that that is very interesting to me. Yeah. Well, the thing that he put out, the book announcement that he posted about the same time that that other uh, little blurb came out, uh, it says book one, uh, Thrawn, book one of the Ascendancy trilogy. And it mm-hmm. says set before the time, but set before Thrawn traveled to the Empire and became a Grand Admiral, journeyed to the unknown regions okay. and learned more about Thrawn's origins and his home. And see, I hadn't read that yet, so that that definitely does excite me more. And yeah. and and let's do that, y'all. Y'all know I've always been a proponent of let's expand the universe. Mm-hmm. Yes. One of my biggest complaints about this idea that raised a Skywalker it limits the universe back to just. Anyway, we're not getting back into that because we always get an argument about it. <laughs> but anyway, the it, let's, it's a huge place. There's a huge history. Right. And it is a huge galaxy. Yeah. And let's expand it a little bit. Let's see more of it. We can actually leave the Jedi and Sith out of it. Yep. And just focus on the part that we haven't seen before. And that excites you. That opens up so many other things going forward as well. Yeah. Who knows what a writer like Timothy Zahn might introduce in this series that we can expand from even even from there mm-hmm. yeah. and not be tied to what's come in the past as much and not be tied to the saga of just the Skywalkers and not be tied to just the history of this eternal war between Jedi and Sith, right. between light and dark. What else is out there and doing something like this can be a launching pad for all those other things. Yeah. It's, it's one of the things It seems to be the first willingness to really open the universe up. And I I really think that because we have gotten all these rumors about old Republic stuff. And I do think that once nine is out that I think we're going to see them mostly Mm -hmm. leave this time period. Mm -hmm. And, and, and really open things up. And look, before I get a bunch of angry tweets and all this kind of crap, <laughs> Star Wars has always been about the Empire and the Republic and the Sith and the Jedi. And I understand that. Right. But there's nothing wrong with exploring the rest of this galaxy outside of those conflicts. Yeah, it doesn't have to and be. The idea of doing that does excite me. We can have both. It's a big sandbox. Well, that's what so always was so like funny. I said, we can have both. Let's venture out a little bit. It was there was I don't remember which publication put it out. It was it was really stupid. I don't remember if it was Screen Rant. I kind of think it was. Who I don't really even follow anymore because they put so much clickbait out now. Um, where they really they you know wrote this whole big article about how Disney was running out of stories to tell. <laughs> And it's like, 
Now, no. You really don't have any comprehension of how big this sandbox is. You can tell stories in it forever. Yeah, there's too much history, and it's too big for the galaxy not to. Like I said, even if you have, even if you need to get away from Jedi, Sith, Empire, Republic, there's lots of things you can tell, and there's a lot of history. I mean, because the EU is just the EU now. All that canon right. is gone from what Disney wants to do. So even if we want to keep going forward, there's more to tell. Right. right. That whole gap that used to be filled by the Yuuzhan Vong War, which Andrew, you and I both hated anyway. Yep. Can now that entire period of time can be redone now. Mm-hmm. So there's no limit to what these people can do as long as you keep giving it, whether it's in the books or the comics or the films, as long as you keep handing it over to these really creative people yep. like J.J. Abrams, like John Favreau, like Timothy Zahn, yep. like Kevin J. Anderson, like. Um, Charles Soul, mm-hmm. you can keep telling these stories, and there's there's no limit to what you can do. Right. Well, and, and, and you once can we're keep done. going forward with the Jedi Sith past mm-hmm. where Episode Nine is going to end, and you can do anything. Yeah. That has always been my love for the beauty of science fiction and fantasy. It's just really not any rule. So this this entire universe that George Lucas blessed us with 40 years ago is going to keep moving forward. And we move backwards, we can move forwards, we move left, right. And as long as these really creative, passionate mm-hmm. people want to tell them, we're going to keep getting these stories. Right. Well, now that you're moving away, like we're, we're ending the Skywalker saga. So we're ending this one big story arc. Mm-hmm. And now you can move away from that and create new characters or even take characters that you've seen glimpses of before yeah. and, and ter- tell more character-driven stories. Yeah. And you can do and, that and forever. You, you pointed out before how long this history is. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of gaps between the beginning of the Jediah right. and the Sith and where we had the, where we saw the Old Republic in Episode 1. There's a lot of gaps in there still to fill in. Yeah. Some of those stories were told, they're now legends. You can still rewrite those stories. We'll create new ones anywhere in that gap. Going forward, especially, there's a lot of gap. There there's is. a lot of room to still tell stories set in this galaxy about these two groups of people, Jedi and Sith. And there's there's still some gaps in old Republic and Empire to tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's there's a lot of room still to expand this universe. Star Wars fans do not think your story's coming to an end. They got a lot of room to play with. Yep. It's a good time to be a Star Wars fan for sure. All right. Well, real yeah. quick before we go, Daniel, I really wanted to, to get your take on this. We already talked about it last week, I guess. But I wanted to see what your thought on Kevin Feige doing a Star Wars movie is. I'm 100% on board with that. What Kevin Feige has done with the Marvel Universe is honest to God. The Marvel comic books were always on a certain level of interconnectivity that you never really thought we could see on movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just the fact that we have what you can call an infinity saga. Yeah. One story with all these movies yep. written and directed and created by different people. And Kevin Feige has been able to make all that one story that it is. I am 100% on board on whatever Kevin Feige want to do in the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. I'd be thrilled to see it. Yep. And obviously, if he is a producer, I don't think Kevin Feige has any director credits. 
Not interested in that. But what I would love to see is let's give him three movies to produce and have interconnected. I'm with you. And 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 let's see where he can go with the honest to God truth is can do a better job of Kathleen Kennedy. Because we've already discussed the problems with feeling like Force Awakens and The Last Jedi are even connected at all. Those movies are so different. If you give someone who has the track record of being able to connect all these stories mm-hmm. the way Kevin Feige does, yeah. give him more than one, that's what I love to see and see where that goes. Yeah, Feige has more than proven himself as a movie executive. Oh, for the sure. man at this point, the man at this point has had to have made more money than any producer in history he is, just he with is, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He, he, he is now, he passed Kathleen Kennedy about two years ago, I think, on the all-time mm-hmm. earning list for producers. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm 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 in on that. He has become the master of coordinating all these different creative minds, right? And creating, being able to create something special. Yeah. Right. So whatever, let him do what he does in this universe. I'd be excited to see it. Yeah. I have complete faith in Kevin Feige. There's no way you can't at this point. Right. Proven track record. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, he's kind of at the point where he's he's earned the right to make the movie he wants to make. Absolutely. I will say this, though. What I want to see first is Kevin Feige's X-Men and Kevin Feige's Fantastic Four. Yep. Y'all do realize Kevin Feige started off as an executive at Fox. Yeah, I know. And he wanted to make these certain X-Men movies he couldn't make at the time. So while I've always said I like the X-Men being at Fox. Mm-hmm. Because they don't really fit in what the MCU does. What I've mm-hmm. always so that's uh, yeah. We need to uh, we need to get the other show up and going though, because I I, I want to take a deep dive into all that stuff and yes and okay. how the X Men ought to work in the MCU. All right, so I think that's going to do it for tonight. So Daniel, where can people find you on the internet? They can find me at Dan C Peeps on Twitter, which I haven't posted anything in a while, but I am getting back on. And that would be it right now. I don't have anything planned for the science fictionary and sciencefictionary.com at the moment. So for right now, uh, start trying to find me on Twitter again. I'm going to get back on there soon. Okay. And uh, send Daniel your uh, comic book questions and let him know which ones you want to hear him talk about. Marisha, what have you Definitely got? Definitely do that. That'll, that'll give me some direction for what I need to read yeah. up on and give you guys your answers. Yeah. yeah. See, what, what do the fans need? Exactly. Um, you can find me on Instagram mostly uh, these days, princesses underscore and underscore Padawans, and also princessesandpadawans.com. You can see I keep saying I'm going to put pictures of like me in costumes up, but mostly just my kids because they're cuter than I am. <laughs> All right. And uh, I'm Andrew Gore, and you can find me running the Twitter account for this page uh, for this podcast for the Padawan Report for the sciencefictionary.com at sci underscore fictionary. You can find me at the sciencefictionary.com. You can drop us a line at underground at gmail.com. And again, I, I know I keep harping on this, but you know, one of the biggest things you can do to help out your favorite podcast is to leave them a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. And that's going to do it for tonight. And until next week, Absolutely. may the force be with you.